Hello there, John Cotterillo here, the life coach of your listener. Thank you for joining me today. Uh, I do apologize for my absence, but I'd like to also thank all uh, my clients who have been setting appointments with me and who have been taking the, uh, taking the time to speak to me and allowing me to help them with their life goals. Today I'd like to continue the discussion that I started in my last video on the concept of reification and this time discussing it from the perspective of different professions, different mental health professions that exist in Australia and discussing how the sheer number of different professions that exist can represent reification and how this may be helpful in some ways but also may represent a problem that needs solving in another way. Now, full disclosure, as per normal, I'm not a mental health professional in the Australian legal sense of the term. Uh, this is this video is not intended to be advice in any way. It's not intended to be uh, directive as to which mental health profession may or may not be useful to you. And it's also not meant to disparage any of the individuals who work in these professions. As someone who has worked in the mental health profession in some capacity. I've been privileged enough to meet a large number of incredibly skilled and incredibly charitable individuals who do, without exaggeration, devote their lives to helping the disadvantaged and helping the ill. And so I'm certainly not going to disparage any of them or the people who make their work possible uh, in any way. I fully believe in what they do. But rather, as is healthy in, in any scientific circle, I'd like to open a discussion of critically analysing the ways in which we consider uh, the ways in which we consider mental illness and mental health practice to exist in the hope that we can stimulate growth. And that's something that I believe every person should do. I've worked in two main mental health related professions and both have been exclusively operating within what we call in Australia the National Disability Insurance Scheme, or the NDIS for short. The NDIS is a, is a program that allows disabled individuals to have certain types of supports funded so that they can overcome the daily challenges that they experience with their disability, associated with their disabilities. Um, it pays for basic supports in everyday care, it pays for some uh, services that allow them to help build independence and it also pays for some some assistive products as well. Now within this system I've worked in two different types of role that have been related specifically to mental illness. One of them is known as psychosocial recovery coaching or PRC for short. Another one is known as positive behavior support practice or PBS for short. I'm going to define each of these roles. Psychosocial recovery coaching has two major facets. The first is helping the client to find appropriate services and then afterward helping them to manage their relationships with their service providers. And another is helping them to build the capacity to achieve their goals using evidence-based frameworks. The entire premise of psychosocial recovery coaching is based off what is known in the mental health industry as a recovery-oriented framework. Now, the dictionary or standard English definition of recovery is a return to a particular position or state of being from a previous state of being that is usually by definition undesired. 
So in the realm of illness, it refers to returning from being in a state of sickness or being disadvantaged as a result of an illness to being in a state of normality that was present before that sickness existed. In the literature, in the scientific literature now, the recovery-oriented framework quite explicitly attempts to eschew that definition for a different definition of recovery. Now, there are some sources linked in the description of this video which you can read uh, from where I've extrapolated this definition. Um, I'd like to read you an extrapolation of this, of this particular definition. It's actually stated specifically that there doesn't appear to be a clear definition of recovery from this standpoint, but recovery in this sense can loosely be defined as learning to value one's own experience and find meaning in life while coping with a mental illness. Now, guiding this framework are five fields of practice, otherwise known as practice domains. The first of these is promoting a culture and language of hope and optimism. The second is placing the person at the center of the entire practice and looking at them holistically rather than just at uh, one domain of health or their mental illness in and of itself. The third is supporting personal recovery. The fourth is having the entire organization that is involved and the workforce that's involved committed to the development of this framework. And the fifth is taking action on social inclusion and the social determinants of health and well-being. The second profession to which I'm going to refer is positive behaviour support. Now, positive behaviour support practitioners work specifically with individuals that are exhibiting what they call in the system as behaviours of concern. That is to say, behaviours that are either a significant risk to the individual or a significant risk to other people. And the aim of positive behaviour support practice in this case is to help the individual and their care teams, uh, importantly, to develop plans and strategies to help that individual negate the need for those types of behaviours by teaching them ways to fulfil their needs with healthier and safer behaviours. Now, the definition of PBS as stated in the capability framework, which is linked in the document in this description, is being supported by evidence-encompassing strategies and methods that aim to increase the person's quality of life and reduce challenging behaviour. The positive behaviour support framework, as it happens, also has a set of values and a set of principles that guide it. And I'm going to read to you these uh, values and principles directly from the document, which is actually linked below in the description of this video. The values are respecting, protecting and fulfilling human rights, taking an approach that is person-centred and strengths-based to help the individual increase their own capacity for independence, taking a holistic approach, recognising the importance of mainstream services, that is to say services outside of the system in which the service operates, respecting the person's voice, so to speak, allowing the person to fully participate in their care and in their treatment, to collaborate with others and work as a team, and to be transparent and open, that is to say be honest and act in good faith. And the principles that are involved include being legally and ethically sound in practice, being culturally competent, being reflective, using evidence-based strategies, recognition of the dangerous behaviours in question as being the result of interactions between the person and their environment, 
acknowledgement of a lifespan perspective, that is to say, acknowledging that an individual's development doesn't simply stop at a given age, but continues throughout the entire time that they, that they exist, and being committed to the principle of supported decision-making, that is to say, helping the individual to be more independent in making their own decisions. Now, we can make multiple observations about these, uh, about these texts, about this literature. Something that you will notice is that everything that is mentioned is objectively good for an individual who is suffering a mental illness, whether you be a personal carer or a nurse, all the way up to a psychiatrist. Anyone who makes every effort to enact these principles, these values, will be doing their clients a significant favour. What it seems to me that the literature is arguing is that by taking these values and incorporating them into a role with a new name, we're actually somehow practising some profound... Uh, some profound new science that is actually somehow drawing on profound new knowledge that didn't exist before. In reality, that's not the case. Psychology as we know it has probably been developing in a recognisable form since the early 1900s. And as that time has passed, we have continued to develop our knowledge and we have continued to update our practice based on new information being discovered Every practitioner, whatever their level of qualification, whatever their responsibility, should be using this knowledge to improve their practice and to ensure that the care that they're providing is in the client's best interest. And just because this knowledge is new and just because it works in a way that is different to what may have been traditionally practiced doesn't mean that the knowledge is only relevant to specific roles and it doesn't mean that different roles should necessarily be implemented for different purposes. Having different roles actually does have economic, uh, has an economic sense in it. Sometimes an individual may only need care from a certain professional who is more highly qualified on a more sporadic basis. They may require care on a regular basis, but may be able to receive what they need from somebody who is more readily available or someone who can work at a schedule that is more economical to them. So having different levels of responsibility and different uh, levels of qualification in the mental health industry in and of itself is not bad. It helps more people access the care that they need. But by reifying these new, the, these relatively new roles as being practicing a completely, as practicing some kind of completely different science, it's almost as though we're treating entirely different conditions. Our goals should all be united. Whether you're a psychiatrist, whether you're a counsellor, whether you are a recovery coach or a behaviour therapist, our goals should always be to help an individual in a given way. By treating this as a new science, we're actually undermining the larger picture. Now, what is the larger picture? Different frameworks for different professions actually tend to conceptualise the goals that an individual should have as being different. So, for example, in the NDIS and in frameworks such as recovery-oriented practice, there is an explicit attempt to move away from the medical model of disability and mental illness. So, as I would have said before, recovery means returning to a previous state after having been ill. Recovery in the recovery-oriented framework is essentially defined as what we would previously have called coping or being able to maintain a certain standard of life despite 
the challenges of being ill. These kinds of newer approaches conceptualise or reify, so to speak, that while the medical model focuses on the illness and finding treatment to the illness in order to cure, quote-unquote, the illness, the newer models claim to be taking a more holistic approach and I believe, from the way that I read the literature, less stigmatising approach that involves looking at the person's entire existence and attempting to help them cope and build their own individual capacity and help them build their capacity to act independently in their daily lives. Now, the problem with these separate conceptualizations is that really both have their merits, but they must be combined because in the end we are essentially using two different approaches to look at exactly the same problem. So let us let us examine the basic facts that are involved when a person is mentally ill, okay? For any phenomenon to be considered a mental illness, according to the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Illnesses, a phenomenon has to cause the individual distress or be such that they can't function in their, in the in the normal course of their day-to-day life. These frameworks some sometimes they, they, they hint at the idea that mentioning that these that, that a mental illness is distressing in any ways is somehow stigmatizing, but that's not the case in and of itself. We feel the distress. And what we want in the moments when we are distressed is a pathway between the distress to not being distressed. We want the straightest line between the problem that we are experiencing and a solution to get us to a more desirable state. Whether you are a doctor prescribing antidepressants or other psychoactive drugs, or whether you are a recovery coach helping a person to define and achieve their individual goals, we're still implementing solutions to overcome the same problem. The human mind doesn't change and the nature of the illness doesn't change based on the nature of the professional. To give a case in point, in my in, in, in my practice of psychosocial recovery coaching or positive behavior support, both of which I have done, it's not necessarily the way that you would expect somebody in this profession to approach each client. It starts by acknowledging that there is a problem that the individual has and that they want to solve. And, it's, and the first step is to ensure that the individual has defined to themselves what they feel the problem is and has decided that they want to solve that problem or set of problems. It's then about understanding what the individual already can do for themselves and already has achieved, and then using the same attributes that have allowed them to do what they've already done to help them uh, overcome the problem that they are now choosing to try and overcome. And we use the knowledge that has been accumulated in psychology over the past century or so, using new language doesn't mean that what we're doing is fundamentally different to anything that is objectively good for the individual. In reality, all of us practitioners, regardless of who we are and what our qualifications are, we should be abiding a set of ethics that involve placing the individual at the centre of decision-making if they're capable of doing so. That involves um, striving for an ideal that that individual is independent and one day will not need us. It won't be possible in every person's case, but the greatest form of dignity is independence. And if we can reduce that person's reliance on us, then we are enacting our roles correctly, ensuring that 
we uphold a standard of ethics that respects individuals' choices and individuals' life experiences and helps them to find ways to overcome, overcome problems and teaches them to cope with their challenges and, and does acknowledge the whole individual and does, doesn't simply focus on the illness. All these virtues are objectively good regardless of the profession that we're practicing. We need to stop reifying mental illness differently depending on who we are as practitioners and look at the whole nature of existence and the whole nature of mental illness. That mental illness being what happens internally and presenting a problem to the individual that they would like to solve and all of us collaborating in ways that are going to work towards the common goal, that individual's goal to overcome the nature of their illness and live as independently and as uh, free of distress as possible. That is the objectively good goal, the goal that people ultimately want to achieve when they're mentally ill. In the end, we're not here to exist as professionals for the sake of existing as professionals. We have a common goal to help those in need live the lives they, that they reasonably want to live. And in that sense, navigating our, our services should be as straightforward as possible. This type of language use doesn't help. So these are my thoughts on how reification can manifest in the different types of professions that exist in, uh, in the mental health industry. I hope that you found this discussion informative. As per usual, I'll remind you that I'm not a mental health professional or an advisor of any sort. If you do have concerns about your mental health or any matter, please seek advice from a qualified professional. But I would welcome contact and discussion from all people, whether you be a consumer of mental health services, whether you be a mental health practitioner or whether you be otherwise. Please, let's have these conversations. Let's start discussing possibilities outside what we assume to be the limits of our knowledge. Let's start asking questions, not redefining concepts for the sake of redefining, but for the sake of expanding our knowledge in a field in which knowledge should be ever expanding if it has the chance to be. So please feel free to comment below, write to me with any comments or questions. In the meantime, take care until next time.